0: Back to Celtics' fifth quarter. been a while since we recorded an episode. I'm joined again by my buddy Owen. Today we are going to be breaking down the off-season recap for the Celtics. Before we do that, I want to do a quick little recap of last season because, as you guys know, I never did a recap of last season. I was pretty frustrated after the season ended didn't feel like sitting down and talking about how sad I was that the Celtics got eliminated. But people forget how good of a season the Celtics had. Coming into this season, this team had little expectations. No one expected them to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. No one expected them to go 48-24. and 24. They were kind of a team that was searching for an identity. Like The the Kemba Walker signing was a surprising signing at the time. The Celtics weren't even expected to get Kemba. They were expected to just lose Kyrie Irving, and they were going to be shaped around Jason Tatum, who at the time was still a question mark because he had a subpar second season. And Jason Tatum blossomed into a borderline MVP candidate and Jalen Brown blossomed to blossom into an all-star level talent and this team really found their identity. They found that they could shape themselves around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and then obviously they have guys like Marcus Martin, Kemba Walker who are also great contributors to this team and I think they became legit contenders and people forget what this team was like before the elongated season that going into the season they didn't think that They were going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I blame a lot of that on the time off before the bubble, and when they came back from the bubble, everyone was like, oh, the Celtics are contenders now, and then they received a lot of hate for not making it to the Finals because people said, this is going to be the easiest path that they have to the Finals. How could they blow this chance? And yes, they did blow an easy chance to the Finals. I think they're not going to get that easy of a chance again, but... I think the bottom the line, it, last season was still a success, that a lot, of, a lot of guys got better, and this team really found their identity.
1: Yeah, a huge takeaway from last season is the fact that the Celtics have the blueprint for the future, um, building their team around Jason Tatum with players like Jalen Brown, a healthy Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart. Uh, some players we'll touch on that they've added this offseason. Yeah, no, I, I was impressed to see what they were able to accomplish in the bubble. Obviously not the ending we all hoped for um Miami was quite the surprise a lot of people were expecting Milwaukee to advance to the finals yeah no it was a, it was a weird year but going forward i mean they've made the eastern conference finals year after year after year one of these years they're going to break through and i'm i'm thinking it's 2021 is their year
0: that would be nice and just touching upon the identity of this team Last last off season, they were kind of searching for that identi- that identity, and they they signed Kemba Walker to this huge deal. And they're like, oh well, this is becoming more of a team that they can work as a group, and they don't really have that lead player to push them past that boundary that you're talking about of getting to the finals. Now it's clear they got Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is a borderline top ten, if not already in top ten player in the NBA. He, he is the guy. He's the game's on the line. You're going to him. You can build around him. You can win a championship around him. And Danny Ainge has received a lot of slander this offseason for what he has done. And I I disagree with all of that slander. Danny Ainge is looking at this team, and he's like, all right, I have Jason Tatum. I have Jalen Brown. I have Kemba Walker when he's healthy. What is this team's weakness? Like, what can I give to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to push them past that boundary to get them to the finals? And a lot of last season, we talked about how we did not have a playmaker off the bench. We didn't have a big body off the bench that could come in and be physical. And we didn't have any shooters off the bench. And Danny Ainge did that this offseason. He did exactly what people were asking for last season, this offseason. And yes, he lost players that we'll we'll go into further. But I, I don't agree with any of the Danny Ainge slander right now. Yes, he probably could have done a couple things differently here and there. But Danny Ainge, I think, had a great offseason as a GM.
1: Yeah, no, I won't stand for the Danny lander one bit. Year after year, he he puts out a solid product on the floor for Stevens, the coach. Um, He's added all-star level talents, uh, such as Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, uh, Kemba Walker in free agency. He traded for Kyrie Irving. He's drafted Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, even Terry Rozier, you can throw in that mix. He has done everything you want your general manager to do. And for you to be upset, that they didn't go out and acquire Miles Turner from Indiana in a sign and trade with Gordon Hayward is ludicrous. It's, it's plain ludicrous. Gordon Hayward had all of the leverage there. If he wanted to go to Indiana, he was going to Indiana. If he wanted to go to Charlotte where he is now, he was going to Charlotte at the end of the day, Charlotte gave him way too much money to turn down and he did the best decision for Gordon Hayward. Uh, Danny Ainge held, Zero leverage there, and the fact that he was able to get that monster trade traded player exception uh, in that deal—the largest of all time in NBA history—is remarkable in itself. Uh, I know Brian wants to talk, touch on that quite a bit. So,
0: I mean, yeah, I was telling you, I was talking to you about this before we started the podcast that people were bashing Danny Ainge. Well, he didn't get Miles Turner. He could have got Miles Turner, and that would have been the piece that the Celtics needed. Danny Ainge did not control that situation at all. Indiana was not going to offer. 4 years 120 million to Gordon Hayward because Indiana isn't stupid. Charlotte offered Gordon Hayward 4 years 120 million, which is is ludicrous. There's no reason Gordon Hayward to be making that amount of money. And when they offer him that amount of money, Gordon Hayward obviously is going to take that deal. And now Danny Ainge loses his leverage. He can't make that sign and trade with Indiana because Gordon Hayward has to agree to the contract before you are able to sign and trade him. And the fact that, like you mentioned, that he was able to get the largest uh, player exception, trade player exception of all time, out of the deal is something. And you got you have to use the trade player exception. You make a big deal about how you get the largest player exception in NBA history. Now you got to go out and use it. Like you go out and you don't you don't have to necessarily go out and get a superstar because we don't really have the assets to trade for a superstar. Because I don't expect the Celtics to ship off a guy like Jalen Brown or even Marcus Smart, and we no longer have the draft capital that we used to have. So I think what what's most likely going to happen is we're going to hold on to it for a little bit, maybe use it at the deadline, go out and get some veteran players to add to the bench, or maybe even hold it to next offseason, assess how this season went, and acquire someone then. Don't expect Ames to use it before the season starts, unless he uses a little piece of it to go out and acquire a player here and there. I expect him to hold on to it for a little bit, which I'm perfectly fine with, and, but he's got to use it. That's the bottom line.
1: Yeah, so speaking about that traded player exception, Brian, what are your ideas for uh, some players that the Celtics can target with that, whether it be uh, at the trade deadline or potentially at the end of next season, which would be unpreferable for Celtics fans?
0: Yeah, I'm not going to talk much about what we could get next offseason because you never know how this season's going to play out. Well, Players that I could see them or I would like to see them targeting throughout this season is one player I've, I've really been saying this is PJ Tucker. P.J. Tucker is on the Rockets, who are notably selling right now. They just traded Russell Westbrook for John Wall in the first-round pick. They don't seem to be the team that they were in the past. They're, James Harden apparently wants out of Houston, and they may be selling. And if they are selling, if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm going straight to Houston and saying, what do you want for P.J. Tucker? Because I think P.J. Tucker would be a perfect fit for this team, or anybody like P.J. Tucker, a guy who is very physical, can play multiple positions, can shoot the three ball, and he just fits into any team's kind of mold. So I think a guy like P.J. Tucker and other names like George Hill have been thrown around. I think I got to see how this team kind of plays together before I can start mentioning more players. But those, those, P.J. Tucker is definitely a guy that I
1: would love to see the Celtics go out and get. Yeah, I look to Tucker to fill uh, a Marcus Morris-esque role for the Celtics team if they were to get someone like that. Uh George Hill, in my opinion, would be slightly redundant with the addition of Jeff Teague, which we will touch on later. Um, I think they do a lot of the same things. Larger scale players that you'd be looking at, bigger contracts, like Brian said, want to see how the team plays before we even consider these options. But guys like Otto Porter or DeMar DeRozan, I think those would be a little bit intriguing options for the Celtics to add at the deadline, potentially propel them towards an NBA championship. I know DeRozan. Uh, Has gotten to the Eastern Conference finals with Toronto. Uh, So he has that. He's been there. uh, Never closed the deal. I'm sure he'd love to get his first ring in a city like Boston.
0: Yeah, and just to explain the trade player exception to anybody who doesn't fully understand it, the way it works is the Celtics got a $28.5 million trade exception for Hayward, which is the size of Hayward's contract in the first season with Charlotte. And they, a, a traded player exception, you can trade for a player that would normally put you over the salary cap and make a trade ineligible, but the exception would undo that and make it allowed and you can go over the salary cap, but you can't go over the hard cap. So even though the Celtics have a $28.5 million trade exception, they can't necessarily go out and get somebody with a $26 million salary because of the hard cap. I think the max without without trading a player, if they were just to trade a draft pick straight up for a player, I think the max amount of contract they could take in is around twenty three million, somewhere around there. So they they can't necessarily go out and get anybody they want, but it does give them a lot of flexibility in trades.
1: Yeah, I do feel like though, if there's a player out there that they want, even if they're over that uh, number per se, that they can acquired just straight up for the exception, they will find a way to get them, whether it's moving off salaries, such as like a Daniel Tice or um, even a Marcus Smart. I think they they love Marcus Smart, but they would move him if it meant winning a championship. Uh, so I look to to things like that. If, if they want to go get a DeRozan-esque player or Oladipo, they, they would definitely find a way to do that. I don't want to trade Marcus Smart.
0: I don't care who we're getting. You know, I might be a little biased here, but I don't want to trade Marcus Smart. I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not I'm okay with, with the deal team. for that. No, I don't. I disagree
1: there. We're not trading Marcus Smart. I'm not allowing Danny. I I'm not start. saying I'm for it, but I'm saying I don't know if the Celtics care about Smart's feelings as much. It is a business. Uh, yeah, well, if Danny Ainge moves Marcus Smart,
0: I'm going to be angry. <laughs> Just going to put that out there. All right, let's move into the draft recap. The Celtics had a lot of picks going into the draft. They end up trading one of their first-round picks. First guy they took, Aaron Neesmith, 52% Shooter from three at Vanderbilt. I love this guy. I, I didn't really know that much about Niesmith going into the going into the draft. But after the Celtics took him, watched a lot of his highlight videos. I watched his interview with uh, his intro interview with the Celtics. And I think he has a great personality. Kind of similar to someone like uh, we were mentioning last year, like Grant Williams had a great personality. I think niesmith will really fit into the locker room because I know a lot of these guys are outgoing like that. And he can really shoot, obviously. Like that's that's... That's his main thing. He, he can flat-out shoot. But he also can play defense pretty well. He's not the most athletic guy, but he, he definitely has the intangibles and can be a solid 3-and-D player off of the bench for the Celtics.
1: Yeah, my player comp for Aaron Neesmith is Buddy Heald. I think that they do a lot of things similarly uh they're obviously great spot up shooters they can get a quick dribble into a shot um I think he reminds me a lot of Buddy Heald especially uh when Heald played at Oklahoma and his first season with New Orleans uh, and then got traded to Sacramento I see a lot of similarities there
0: yeah I think Buddy Heald has a little bit more to his game a little bit more athleticism than Smith, but I can definitely see a lot of similarities in their game second guy Celtics drafted my boy Peyton Pritchard I loved Peyton Pritchard all of last College basketball season. I remember talking to all my friends about this guy from Oregon that was going to lead Oregon on this huge run in March Madness, which March Madness obviously never happened, so we never got to see that. So I'm just going to pretend like it did. Peyton Pritchard, he's a dog. He's a clutch player. He can uh, he can go out and get buckets. Not sure how much we're going to see of Peyton Pritchard on the Celtics this year. I think he's going to see a lot of time up in Maine on the Red Claws, but I'd, he is going to be fighting for that point guard three spot with Tremont Waters, who I think Waters obviously has the edge right now because I love Tremont Waters. I think he definitely has the edge there. But that role is 100% going to see minutes this year because Kemba is not only going to miss a lot of time at the start of the season, well, not necessarily a lot of time, but he's going to miss time the start of the season. He's probably not going to play back-to-backs I know that some other guys are probably going to get rest at the beginning of the season because it was a short offseason. They didn't give their bodies full-time to recover. So there's going to be roles for these younger players to come in and fill early, especially early on in the season. So I do think he'll get some opportunity. I think he will have to take that backseat to Tremont, at least to start. But I I love Peyton Pritchard. All
1: right, my uh, player comp for Peyton Pritchard is Fred Van Vliet. And I know Celtics fans would be ecstatic if they got Fred Van Fleet um, or a player like him on this team. Cause they've been killed by him uh, plain and simple. Um, he does a lot of things similarly. Uh, they both penetrate to the hoop. Well, good ball handling clutch uh, shot maker at any level, three point mid inside. Um, he reminds me a lot of Fred Van Fleet and I, Fred Van Fleet took a lot of time to develop into the player where he is today, which is a borderline all-star. Um, so look for Pritchard within a couple of years to potentially seize that potential of uh, of Fred Van Fleet's level. That is
0: a very generous player comparison for Peyton Pritchard. I would love to see him develop into a guy like Fred Van Fleet. guy I see him being more like is Trey Burke. Trey Burke also took a lot of time to develop, and he still is developing, but he kind of found his niche... Uh, he found it in Philadelphia, and then now he's on Dallas. That he's a guy who can contribute off the bench. He's a great shooter. He's clutch. I remember the Trey Burke college basketball days. Trey Burke was hitting game winners, so I can see Peyton Pritchard developing into someone sort of like Trey Burke—not someone you can rely to be like an everyday starter, but a guy who can contribute off the bench. Last guy the Celtics drafted, uh, Yamadar. I know, I know nothing about Yamadar. <laughs> he's getting stashed overseas. I expect to never see him in a Celtics uniform, but
1: figured I'd throw his name out there just in case. Hey, he's got a cool name and that's uh that's that's about all I know about him too. Uh probably won't see the NBA for a year, two, three. I don't know. We may never see Yamadar. Uh, he might be another one of these players that never comes over, but if he does I don't I don't see him in a Celtics uniform, but you never know. What was your player comparison for him? <laughs> I can't say I thought of one. I mean, I have Yamadar. I've, I've read up like a little bit on Yamadar and people say he reminds them of Patrick Beverly. So if he's anything like Patrick Beverly, bring him to the Celtics. That's just another Marcus Smart type player. That's just a pit bull. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I would I would love that. But I don't see him playing for us anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I, I know nothing about him. I didn't look at him at all. I figured as soon as soon as we drafted him, I was like, oh yeah, he's just going to get stashed overseas. Don't expect to see this guy. So I, I didn't even take the time to go look into him. But overall, I thought it was a pretty successful draft. Uh, there's not much you can really do with the picks that the Celtics had. Uh, I do I do think they addressed their biggest need in the draft was getting a shooter. I know a lot of people wanted them to go out trade up and get a big, maybe get a, a Kongwu. I never see. I never saw the Celtics doing that. I thought that they were going to go and they were going to get a shooter, and that's exactly what they did. They got Neesmith, who I think is probably the best spot up shooter in the draft. So I think I will give Danny and Danny Ainge an A for that draft pick. Uh, we'll we'll wait and see what we get from Peyton Pritchard. I love Peyton Pritchard. I'm a little biased there, but I think it was a pretty successful draft by the Celtics.
1: Yeah, I would give Danny Ainge probably like a B plus on the draft. Um, he definitely addressed the need of shooting. I would have liked to see them go and get a big. Um, They addressed it in a different way, free agency. Um, So draft came before free agency and I was a little bummed that they didn't draft a big, but I wound up being okay with it. uh, Once I saw the rest of their moves for the off season. So.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I used to get in arguments all the time with people that the big wasn't the Celtics biggest need that everyone was like, Oh, Celtics need a big, if they want to win a championship, you're not going to win a championship with Daniel Tice. I would get in arguments with people all the time. Like, that is not their biggest need i watched every single celtics game probably almost every minute of every single celtics game the past season and their biggest struggle was they went on these cold spells throughout the game where they just like their bench could not contribute on offense that they, they their bench was good on defense but they just could not put the ball in the hoop like guys like brad wanamaker grant williams they would come into the game and they would contribute but they wouldn't get much offense out of them and i was like they just need somebody to come off the bench who who can shoot, who can space the floor a little bit. And that's exactly what they got out of the draft. Enough going over the draft, move into the free agency. And before we get into the additions, start quickly about the losses. First one, kind of bummed about this one because I liked him. Ennis Cantor was traded to Portland for a future set, future second round draft pick. We didn't get that much production out of Ennis Cantor this season, um, on the court at least. I think he was a great locker room fit. He got along well with a lot of the young guys. Saw a lot of videos, him joking around, especially with like Marcus Smart. So I think he was a great guy to have on the team. But from an actual like standpoint of a basketball team, he didn't contribute that much. And so I, I get them moving on from Ennis Cantor. Brad Wanamaker go, goes to Golden State. He's now the second Flash Brother alongside Steph Curry because Clay Thompson's out for the year. Not too bummed that we lost Brad Wanamaker. Vincent Poirier was traded to the Thunder for a future second in a much smaller. Traded player exception, I think it's around $1.8 million, somewhere around there. So pretty irrelevant deal there. Poirier did not play at all last season for the most part, at least any meaningful minutes. So nothing to be sad about there. And then obviously Gordon Hayward, we already talked about a lot. We traded him for the largest player in the NBA, largest trade player exception in NBA history. Um, but we already voiced our opinion on that, so I don't need to go into that again. Additions. We added Tristan Thompson on a two-year, $19 million deal. I think Tristan Thompson is a great fit for this team. We needed a big body off the bench. In his introduction interview, the Celtics, he said he was excited about his role with his team. He knows he's not going to be the starter, or not necessarily the starter, but not like a 30-minute-per-game kind of guy here. And he said he was excited for his new role. So I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table and then Jeff Teague, we got on the veteran minimum, which I thought was an absolute steal. The Jeff Teague, former all-star, you got playoff experience with the Hawks. I like Jeff Teague a lot. And I think he's going to actually play a huge role this season, especially with Kemba's health in question. I really, really like the Jeff Teague signing.
1: Uh, yeah. Jeff Teague, former all-star played for Atlanta, started his career, went to the Pacers for a bit, Timberwolves back to Atlanta last year. I really love what he brings to this team uh, in the upcoming season. He'll bring you, Uh, everything Wanamaker did as the backup point guard and some uh, to get him on the vet minimum was like Brian said, a huge steal, huge win for this team. Uh, Yeah. Tristan Thompson, very viable big man. Uh, He can start some games. If you want him to, he can come off the bench. Uh, He seems happy in his role. He grew up a Celtics fan uh, was rooting for them to win banner number uh, 18 and against LA back in 2010. Uh, So now hopefully he can deliver on banner number 18 so yeah, I'm looking forward to what these two additions are going to bring to our team. Uh, it was a great, great two free agent signings, in my opinion, and I think they'll contribute a lot.
0: Yeah, I thought this, this free agency period was a huge success for the Celtics, and I, that's an unpopular opinion, apparently. If you go on Twitter, Danny Ainge is getting bashed everywhere, which I just still just don't understand, because they went out and they addressed their two biggest needs and getting Jeff Teague, a player of Jeff Teague's caliber on the minimum contract, people do not understand how big of a deal that is going to be because Jeff Teague can start and he can come off the bench and he can contribute at both, at both in both roles. And that's going to be huge for this team because there is a lot of question marks around Kemba Walker's health. It, that's to me, is the biggest concern of this team. They, they already said he's going to be out for the beginning of the season, and I, I'm guessing he's not going to play back-to-backs He's going to get heavily load managed throughout the season, which hopefully will allow him to be healthy come playoff times. But that's still going to be a huge question mark because if this team wants to get over the hump and win a championship, Kemba Walker has to be healthy and he has to be playing at full Kemba Walker level because he he wasn't playing at that level in the playoffs. You could tell he was injured. He was getting out-dueled by guys like Fred VanVleet. Even Tyler Hero was cooking him.
1: And, you know, that's not what you want to see from Kemba Walker. These two guys will be able to step right in and provide a huge impact on and off the floor. They're both veterans. Uh, Thompson's won the whole thing with Cleveland. Uh, Teague has gone on deep playoff runs with Atlanta. So I really like the veteran uh, presence of both these guys, um, you know, getting the most out of the young guys and helping uh, figure out Tatum and Brown's leadership.
0: Yeah, and we, we will get into more about predictions for this team and where we see this team falling and another episode, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at celtics Fifth Quarter to stay tuned about when the next episode will be coming out. But overall, I thought this offseason was a success. Uh, I'd, I'd say it again. I don't understand what everyone is so mad about. I, I thought this Celtics team, if they definitely didn't get worse, but I, in fact, thought they got better. And at the, at the beginning of offseason, if I said, would you trade Gordon Hayward and Ennis Cantor for Jeff Teague and
1: Tristan Thompson? What would you have said? Yeah, I would I would say yes. I think Hayward's still the best player of the four, obviously. Um, I don't think it's close, but I I yeah, the value that you're getting back because Hayward was expected to leave for nothing, um, which which sucks. But yeah, getting back Thompson and, and Teague for you, you you take Thompson over Cantor at the big man, and then yeah, we getting Teague a scoring presence off the bench. I think he fits our team maybe even slightly better than Hayward would have just fit alone. Uh, yeah, you would take that every day of the week. I personally would have taken that deal 100% of the time. And
0: to me, how can someone say they got worse if really they only lost Hayward and Cantor and they added Thompson and Teague and then Neesmith as well? Like, How, how did they get worse? Like, I, I don't understand that.
1: You lose Cantor, you lose Wanamaker, you re- replace with Thompson and Teague, you lose Hayward, which sucks. And there's really... You can say you didn't replace him with any specific player. You can make the case Aaron Neesmith just because they're both wings. Um, But just the emergence of Tatum and Brown made Hayward a little obsolete in terms of being a star in Boston. At times he was was obviously the fourth option on this team. And at times he was the fifth option when Marcus Mark got going. Um, So happy for Hayward that he's going to Charlotte and he's going to become the guy in Charlotte once again, like he was in Utah and it just really didn't work out here in Boston. So I think fit wise Hayward was Hayward struggled here, but I, I would take this off season 10 times out of 10.
0: Yeah. I'm happy for Hayward too. I got no hard feelings to Hayward. I know he went through a lot, both physically and most likely mentally coming back from that injury. That's not something just anybody can do. So props to him for even coming back. I mean, he came and played in the bubble, missed the birth of his son, I, I, he gave everything to the Celtics, and even though it wasn't what we expected, props to him, but just on that note, the Celtics made the Eastern Conference Finals pretty much without Gordon Hayward and pretty much without Ennis Cantor. So those are your those are your two biggest subtractions, and you're subtracting them from a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals without them. So they aren't really that big of subtraction. So yeah, you could say, oh, well, what if they had healthy Hayward Maybe they would have gone to the finals. Yeah, maybe. We'll never, we'll never know that. We're never going to be able to figure that out. Now you're adding two guys that don't have injury history to this team. So you can rely on them, hopefully, to be there in the playoffs. And I, I don't see how that got worse. They, you take an Eastern Conference Finals team and you add a former NBA champion and a former
1: All-Star to it. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to seeing how this team fits together on the floor and what the new additions will bring. Yeah, for sure. Me too. I'm very excited for this season.
0: Basketball's back pretty soon, which best feeling in the world. We'll be back again fairly soon with predictions for the upcoming season. But until then, go Celtics.